Hello, good day everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers Podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and or powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here with one of my co-hosts. What up? It's your boy, Ashiok, and uh, we're so sad that we. this is the first episode that we get to talk about Bard class. We're doing a deep dive, and you know, <laughs> he's not here. See, it's one of those things where, like, I love Bard class, but, like, I feel like I never get to nerd out about how much I love Bard class because Ryan just loves it irrationally yeah. so much more. Uh, but as you're hinting at, we are here without Ryan today, so we're going to talk about some, uh, you know, some competitive results as well as we wanted to do a deep dive on a different deck. Uh, an actual deck here is that we wanted to talk about. It's uh, Boros, yeah, right? Yeah, Boros Heroic. Boros Heroic, okay. Yeah, the deck's been doing pretty well at uh, RCs and uh, online. So, and I, I, it was either between that or spirits, but with camera souls, I'm not so <laughs> sold on spirits being a thing for a lot longer. So, Boros Heroic, it is. See, it's one of those things where I, I just feel, you know, I'm glad we're not talking about spirits. But what I was going to say about spirits, if we were doing a spirits episode, is that nobody likes spirits. No, <laughs> I feel like the spirits players don't like spirits. They just know that they're going to win with it, and it's one of those like. Yeah, no one actually wants to face spirits. No one's happy in that yeah. matchup, but it, it, it exists, and it shows up, and it ruins your day. If I had to describe spirits players, I would describe them as, like, the people that say, well, actually, and, like, correct people. <laughs> like, they're they're the type of people that will, like, stroke their own ego for this deck when the deck kind of just, like, plays itself. But I'm done shitting on spirits players. Uh, I'm ready to poop on some heroic players. Yeah, you can always be like, well, at least they're not playing control. Yeah, at know? least we're not playing. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm, all my decks are five color soup. I can't really complain too too much. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into it. So, what, what do you have a deck list that you think would be like the exemplary version of what the deck looks like? Yeah, um, uh, if you're looking at for it specifically, it's the first thing linked. But uh, yeah, okay, cool. It, I'm making but... sure. Uh, but yeah, the one that we're gonna talk about today is from my buddy. His name's Drew Christensen. Uh, Drew Christensen or um, Fingers 1991 on MTGO. Um, I think he ripped off the deck and made a couple changes from, what's his name, Hamuda's list. Hamuda's, like, the guy that's been, like, known for, um, Heroic for the longest time. Like, back when Laris was legal, he was, like, the innovator. And he's, he's taken a step back from MTGO, as I, uh, at least I think. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, he comes back every once in a while, so. Uh, but yeah, so this is the so the list that we're we're looking at is uh what I would call the good list. It's he uh, uh, Drew took it to top four at the RC in Calgary in Canada, and now we got to <laughs> now we get to talk about uh, small creatures and pump spells. Awesome, love it. Yeah, so um, you want to talk about? I guess we talk about core cards first. Yeah, let's talk about core cards. You know, kind of by the different categories. Um, so starting off with, you know, this is basically a one and two drop deck, so it's uh, maybe a little bit easier to go through the curve on creatures. At one, it's favorite hoplite, it's monastery, so spear, and we'll, we'll go back through with those. And then at two, it's really, it's illuminator virtuoso, it's 10th district legionnaire, and it's dreadhorde arcanist. And, and let's dive kind of into each of those cards and what they're doing here, as well as some possible replacements if we were looking for any. But basically at this point, I think that they've been tested and proven out that these are the correct yeah, cards. Yeah, these ones are just, like, the best. Like, I think, like, the card that I'm always the shakiest on, for, like, creature-wise, it's, like, Monastery Swift Spear. I always feel like that card's just in this deck, because while we're playing 24 spells, mm. it's just, like, kind of okay. But, like, it doesn't have any direct, like, synergies with the deck, other than the fact that you're just playing a bunch of spells. 
which is just kind of like, I don't know, I want to call it lame, to be honest, because, you know, it's not like a true heroic <laughs> card. It's just kind of like, I guess we're casting spells. I guess this is okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it usually gets damage through, and uh, it can, you know, get three or four if you manage to play it on turn one on the play. It's definitely not to the point where I'd ever consider a Soul Scar Mage for this deck. Though. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, more so if we get, like, I don't know. I think we're having a return to some set that we're, like, I, I, I forgot which set it was, but maybe we get some, like, heroic card or something similar. Because, like, Templi Suggestionary yeah. doesn't actually have heroic, but it has heroic. So maybe we just get, like, one random heroic card in one of these sets, and I think Monastery Swifter is the first one to go. So at least that's my hot take. Yeah, that's but, possible. Yeah, no, favorite heart line, hop line is, like, easily the best one drop in the deck. Like, it's in every time that my opponent plays one of these on one, I start, like, pooping bricks. Like, this card is, like, nuts it grows really quickly because the one one counter heroic clause whenever you target with spell it gets plus one plus one and it gets to ignore all damages so like the card that i often have that's just kind of like in my boards at least is rending volley and now rending volley is like a huge Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh because if they just literally cast any spell targeting the favorite hoplite boom rending volley does nothing cool yeah, it doesn't have to be a uh defensive spell, it can be an offensive. It could literally just be a ancestral angler. So the only one that's missing here is, you know, I think that the mythical ninth one drop for this deck is that they'll sometimes play a Laguna Ran Trailblazer. Oh, uh, yeah. That card's been, like, pushed which out. Is, yeah, it's it's basically a fifth copy of Flavored Hoplite. It just has one less power, and it's also immune to damage. So yeah. I haven't heard that card in forever. You just took me back. It's like Popper <laughs> Auras. Like, I think it's the last time I heard about that card. No, I bet we didn't have to go back too far in uh, in Pioneer here to find a copy of that mm-hmm. card. I mean, like, I guess... Nah, Monastery Swifters exist in the format for a while. I forget. Oh, Illuminator Virtuoso was the card that got caught for it. So, so I want to Streets of New Cabana. Yeah. So. yeah. But anyway, the other card that makes me poop bricks whenever I'm playing against this deck, I think they're the best to drop because we're going off the curve. Has to be Illuminator Virtuoso. Like, Absolutely. double strike and with a, like, a, a, a sub-heroic theme is just kind of like like this card i think i've seen kill on turn three with like a couple monstrous rages like it it, it just it it attacks so well and i don't know you're just discarding spells and there's some flashback spells you can discard like you just get value constantly from this card and it's just it's insanely i want to say op in the deck like it it is the reason that the deck is like good (laughs) yeah i'd agree there completely I think that it absolutely can never untap with it, and that's a very cool place for an aggro deck to be. Um, it makes us feel like a very different kind of aggro list, and that's something I like about it a lot. Yeah, it's not like the the aggro where you're like, God, my opponent's put three prowess creatures into play on, on turn one and two. Like, what am I supposed to do? It's, yeah. uh, oh, my opponent's put a two-mana one-one on two, and I'm going to die. <laughs> and I think what makes it work so well in the Pioneer format specifically is that go wide has just never really worked as a strategy the sweepers are good enough the you know the stabilizers are good enough that you kind of want to have a low commitment to the board and that's something this deck does very well because you kind of want to you know one creature can be enough to represent a threat your opponent has to act on yeah because you know when when your opponent passes the turn with one creature in play and four spells you uh you get a little sussed out (laughs) because you know oh i've died we're gonna die but I think the other two creatures, uh, so Tenthly Dictionary is kind of like Monastery Swift Spear at home kind of thing, where it's kind of like, it's this 2-2 Haster, but it actually has the heroic mechanic. So, like, it's actually, like, kind of decent with your with the spells in your deck. 
And Dreadhorde Arcanist is like the greed value card. It's the it's the one where if they play it on two, you're like, huh, I might die. I'm not really too sure on it. <laughs> it, it like it always is very dependent, but like usually down the road, if Arcanist attacks like twice, you died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's fair. also just one of the only creatures in the deck that just genuinely has trample. Yeah, that's always nice about it. It you know gets through some surprising damage because of that. You know, it's kind of hard to just stop it if they manage to just, hey, pump it up by plus five, plus zero, something like that. Yeah, you're always kind of shocked. Like, uh, at least with my decks, like, I'm always just, like, blocking this thing with, like, a Sylvan carry at it or just, like, something dorky, like a Goblin Shaman or something. And then they're like, ah, ha, 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 Defiant Strike, ha, 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 Monstrous Rage. And I'm like, well, gonna play that one. They kind of played around that. Mm-hmm. And then you're just sad because now you took damage to the Trampler, even though it's a gosh darn 1-3. So, do you remember any of the other two drops of this deck? Two or three drops that this deck has tried before? Because oh, I do feel like there, there were was other... Feather. Feather was a thing in this deck for a bit, but then yeah. Jingatha yeah. came out, and nobody played Feather ever again. <laughs> sorry, and Luris was banned. Actually, I, I, sorry, not even Luris was banned. Yeah. I'm sorry, Luris got banned, and then the popularity of Jeff rose up. Because, like, the period that Feather was played was right after the Luris ban. Yeah, and we've had a lot of good cards since then, so it never really got to see kind of a full-strength version where it had Luris and stuff like Homestead Courage and Monstrous Rage and Ancestral Anger. Yeah, maybe we can get there one day, though. With the same way these sets are going and the more powerful Pioneers get it, yeah. maybe we get a Luris on ban? Hint, hint. Well, I don't, think the, I don't think they pay attention to Pioneer enough to realize whether or not it's because... Oh, don't worry. They're going to fix the format after the fourth RC. Sorry, after the third RC where it's Pioneer. They're going to finally fix after the third one. <laughs> or this next standard only set is definitely going to be the set that has a huge impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, it's kind of it's kind of poopy that like the Wild Zoldrain set has like the most impact on modern because of Beanstalk, and like we couldn't just get one of those broken cards in Pioneer so we can get some changes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember any of the other two drops specifically that were played in this deck. I, I can't I can't think of any. I remember like Soulscar Mage to see playing this deck and like other prowess creatures. Yeah, I think there were like just strictly worse tenth district legionnaires, basically. Mm. Oh, there was that um there was that two mana one one that was like pump your team or whatever that was seen seeing play in it. God, what was it? The, oh, it yeah, was in yeah. the same set as Virtuoso. I don't remember the name of it though. That was an actual no, card. it's 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 the same thing that uh maybe it's maybe it's not actually heroic. I don't actually remember, but it's it's got the streets and you could panic name or whatever for it. Whatever the okay. Well, what about what about three drops? What would it take for a three drop to be playable in this uh, deck for you to be willing to raise your curve okay, that much? So it's got to have something like double strike and trample. Like it needs some ridiculous amount of keywords, and it also needs mm-hmm. the heroic mechanic. And then I think we're set. Because, like, if Swift Blade Vindicator had Heroic and costed one more <laughs> mana, I'd play it. I'd play it. Like, that sounds good. Um, like, cards like Feather just get pushed out because Jeff exists. And also just because there's just better cards than Feather for, like, value. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think a big part of it is that Feather's not a three drop. Feather's really a four drop because you kind of have to play it with open mana or you're just, you know, throwing the card away. Yeah, a lot of this deck ends up playing their two drops as three drops anyway so i guess maybe if illuminated rochu had hex proof there we go now that's a three drop mm. i play <laughs> okay fair enough all right let's go into the uh the pump spell suite the pump and protection suite which is basically all of the rest of the deck because you're trying to push through damage get rid of your opponent's creatures and uh make your way through for some damage 
Yeah, we got a, we got some of the mainstays here. I'm going to lump these two together because they're like basically the same card. You know, we have the plus one O. Sorry, give the target creature plus one O and then you draw a card. So like they're just quick little pump, pumps and, you know, to cycle through your deck or the Illuminator Virtuoso, you get, or sorry, 10th Leastrick Dijonaire, you get like a scry and then draw. So some of these become a lot more powerful, that being uh, Ancestral Anger and Defiant Strike. Um, mm -hmm. And then other, some of the other pump spells, like the more recent one that kind of just like put this deck back on the map was Monstrous Rage. The fact that you're giving uh, a creature plus three one and permanent trample plus one plus one is nuts. It is nuts because now I just now what am I supposed to do against this Illuminator Virtuoso? Like this thing's just always going to kill me. If it's got trampled the entire time, two two double strike trample, I'm dead. Like, yeah, so many decks are just going to die to that. Um, or it just makes like combat so much more harder because like, does my opponent have a God's Willing? Does my opponent have a Monstrous Rage? Does my opponent have a Reckless Rage? There's too many rages in this deck. Why is the deck so angry? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, I do want to say like, I feel like I, I don't really play this game. This deck is one of my like heavily played decks, but I feel like I should just because I keep calling what will be good in it. Uh, because I said Homestead Courage would be good in this deck, and I feel like I got turned down on the set review, and then it obviously was fantastic. And I said, hey, Monstrous Rage, it's good enough. I think it's going to be good enough for Heroic, and people didn't seem to be listening to me, and now it's a four of. So uh, I'm happy to say I was uh, vindicated on that I'm one so as well. Glad. I'm so glad that your old man yelling at the sky finally got there. <laughs> Uh, well, so what I'm saying is the next time a card comes out, I'm like, hey, this card's going to be good and heroic. Uh, you know, you know, we're no. geniuses and there's no chance we'll be wrong. The I third need to time. keep pushing you down because then I need you to make you defend your choice so that you can have this vendetta arc about how Ashok's the big bully that like, was bullying me out of these heroic cards. I need you to keep that that vibe. Yeah, the new red, white Ashok is going to be great in heroic. Mm. <laughs> Bro, can you imagine? Can you imagine the absolute flip from black to Boros? <laughs> Someone at Watsy's drunk. It's like he's in his uh he's in his hero era, yeah. like doing his best and, thing. But I think they <laughs> I think the thing about Homestead Courage that I like didn't overly pick up on was it's just interaction with like Illuminator Virtuoso specifically. Because like you're able to just like discard it to connive. Oh god, I'm yawning. <sighs> you're able to discard it to connive and still get a free spell from the bin. Like I think that's the part that kind of oh, just yeah. like I didn't register in my brain. It, was, it wasn't the fact that it was, like, two spells. Like, two spells is, like, whatever. Like, I'd rather the spell say draw a card so I can draw more cards. But the fact that you can just, like, get the spell from the bin, I think, is what, like, pushed it over the edge. Yeah, I think that's good. I do also think that it is better than draw a card in some ways only because you it's you're, you're drawing a spell. You're not drawing a creature. You're not drawing a land. In the times when you want a spell in this deck, you want more spells because you want to pump your one creature up to the point where it kills somebody. So the fact that it's, you know... I would say that it's often better than Defiant Strike or Ancestral Anchor just because the card you're drawing with it is always going to be a spell. You sound like a man that's never played Heroic and had all your creatures die. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, the amount of times where you've just been like, huh, I have four spells in hand and no creatures. I have these four Homestead Courages because I listened to, to Kevin and I was like, yeah, let's play more Homestead Courages. And you weren't targeting your opponent's creatures like Ancestral Angles and Defiant Strikes to try to draw out of it. Yeah, it sounds like that's never happened to you, but that's often what happens to my opponents. <laughs> I just kill their things, and they're like, well, I guess you're out. I'm not the best plus one. Oh, I'm like, cool. 
Well, I've also, you know, had an ancestral anger and drawn a, uh, you know, an illuminator virtuoso or a ten- or something like that that can't attack for another two turns. And you know, it, it is a tough thing about this deck. And I think that's something that's important that we think about when we're talking about this deck is that it's very much a one plus one equals fifty kind of deck. Mm-hmm. And those are not always great in Pioneer. I feel like those have, you know, something like Hardened Scales, something like in Soul, those decks have kind of fallen off because when they draw the wrong half of their deck, they have a lot of problems. Um, so what is it about Boris Heroic that lets it kind of bridge that gap and still play in such an aggressive, such a removal-heavy format like Pioneer, well being a, hey, I need my creatures and I need my spells and I need both of them at the same time in order to have a game plan. I think it's the fact that the deck just, like, kills really quickly and, like, you, the opportunity you have to find these spells is so limited and now with, like, protection spells and, like, a lot more of these other similar things, like, you also need a second one. Or like a third removal spell because your opponent's a luck sack and you're two gods willing. It's like you you just you Every just time. need like a lot more to try to interact with it because they're like it, it it's similar to Bogles where it has like this evasive creature that you just kind of like need to interact mm-hmm. with. But there's just more of these creatures that you just need to interact with or you die on the spot. And I think that's a lot more of what this deck is like good for. Like obviously it still has the problem where like sometimes like sometimes you just draw all your spells and none of your creatures sometimes you draw your creatures and none of your spells like that's kind of just what happens sometimes but i think the fact that we have a lot more of these like uh like i want to say a lot more of these like cyclers or like draw like like with illuminator virtuoso or tempe dictionary like a lot more of these like filtration type heroics um enablers yeah just makes it like a little bit more better and a little bit more consistent which just kind of like pushes over the edge because like i don't know like the fact that this deck is trying to kill your opponent as quickly as possible it just allows it to like run over so many people and i think what you're talking about there is something that's important to think about as you know if somebody hasn't played this deck their impression of it might be very different because it's like oh every time my opponent's going to have the two gods willing in hand um, and not think about the, the game where they don't, or even the game where you play around it, they don't. And I think that as we talk about how you fight against this deck, that's going to be important to remember because, you know, sometimes it's just about, hey, make them have it. And that can be good against this kind of list. And inexperienced players might not be willing to go for it because they're just used to like, oh, they're always going to have a pump spell. They're always going to have a removal spell. It's never worth me spending my removal into open mana. Yeah, it's also just about like timing your spells. I feel like that's a, a really difficult thing from a lot of players like playing against this deck. It's like, when am I supposed to cast? the board clear when am i supposed to cast the fatal push when am i supposed to cast the rending volley because if you pick the wrong time you're you're gone <laughs> you're dead like you gotta well we don't strict uh we don't stick to a strict schedule here you want to talk yeah, about that sure. right now um w- when do you fatal push <laughs> uh it, 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 obviously there's a lot more context that's always very necessary but like let's just let's put the yeah. let's put it in perspective my opponents put an eliminator virtuoso into play uh and my and he has one mana up Usually what I like to do is whenever my opponent goes for the first spell targeting the creature, uh, like let's just say mm. like he, my opponent untaps and then they go uh, Ancestral Anger for the first spell targeting the Illuminar Virtuoso. I like to go for it then because it forces them to tap out on their turn and cast a protection spell on their turn. If you cast it on your end step or on your turn, uh, your opponent gets a free 1-1 counter because they targeted their... Assuming they discard a card, obviously. But they get the free scry, they get the free possible plus one plus one counter that's going to end up growing their creature and they get like all the value that they ended up needing if you do it in response to like an ancestral anger and they don't have it boom you blew them out of a card draw and they connived who cares mm. you at least blew them out and two for one them 
Because you've always got to go for these two-for-ones against Heroic. Or at least that's what I like to usually try to do with my greedier decks. Because, you know, you kind of need to sometimes. But even even with, like, less greedier decks, I think that's just what you end up doing against this deck. It's just time it then. If you have instant speed removal, time it then. And if you don't, well, good luck, Charlie. That's usually my, my take on it. Um, and, yeah, you just, I don't know. Allowing for a two-for-one against your opponent is nice. Because then they usually are going to spend the rest of their turn putting a bunch of things on this creature attacking you might take like 10 but congrats you have 20 life in the game of magic um yeah. wait to go to your turn fatal push it on your turn or have your backup removal spell while liliana's a little out of the veil just something like that's usually how i end up playing it out okay i think that maybe a counterpoint to it like i think i would agree with that but i do think that you don't always want to wait you know you were saying you kind of want to two for one them i sometimes think it's the opposite in that if you can you know if you can trade your removal spell for a protection spell early in the game sometimes that's just worth it because you're going to have card draw and they're not um so if you can kind of if you're taking away eventual damage if you're slowing them down by you know using that removal spell on something that's not optimally you know getting a two for one not optimally answering that creature for good that can be worth it especially if you've got a hand that you know precipitates using multiple removal spells throughout the game yeah i just i don't know i i, I think the only difference is but i mean like I, I i just like to try like try to make them have it on like an, an, an the most opportune time like sometimes i do understand like you just like go for it on their end step if they're not doing anything like 100 percent. but if they're in combat and they're casting these spells targeting the creatures i'm gonna 100 percent wait until we're in combat and i'm fatal pushing that thing or the ancestral angers on the stack i'm going to fatal push the thing so that I get the most information possible and before I take the 20. Is there anything like, you know, I know if you, if anyone, you know, I don't even know if people play Infected Modern anymore. <laughs> Back when I played a little bit of Modern, you know, you wouldn't want to go to try to kill the Infect creature before they've attacked because a lot of their pump spells were their protection spells. Is there any of that same kind of game here where it's like, okay, I'll let it hit me. And then after, you know, second main phase, then I'll try and kill it because then at least they're not pumping at the same time. Um, it's like yes and no. Like, the, the pump spells that do exist in this deck are not, I uh, don't have any way of, like, granting protection, unless it's, like, a damage-based spell, so, like, Rending Molly, like, then you actually have mm -hmm. to, like, worry about it and, like, figure out your timing there. But, like, God's Willing and um, uh, Lorien's Escape are the two main protection spells that they have, and the only way that they can, like, push more damage with it is through, like, Monastery Swift Spear, Favorite Hotlight, Tenth Lee's Existionaire, like, tar it's targeting the creatures that end up giving it the extra counter. Right. Oh yeah, I was about to say. You know, all of their creatures grow when not, they get targeted by a one of the protection spells. Other not than, Dreadhorde Arcanist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than Dreadhorde Arcanist. Yeah. I don't even think we've even like touched one of the more important cards in this deck, and one of the more powerful ways that they have to interact with you being Reckless Rage. Gigantha. It was close. <laughs> oh yeah, let, let's talk about close, Reckless close, Rage. Close. Yeah, Reckless Rage. Uh, the fact that it's four damage means it hits literally everything that isn't Shieldred and Elishnorn. Like it cleans up so much of the format. And it, yeah. it just like it's it's, great. It, it, it's it's something that pumps your guy and puts your opponent in the dirt, which is exactly where you want to be with that card. You want to make your opponent not have a fun day. You know, magic's the magic's the only only fun if you're winning. So you want to just put your opponent like I don't know. I can't tell you how many times in the RC that I've had my Omnath reckless raged. That was infuriating. Hate that card. Yeah, I, I know. And or like the amount of times it's killed like Goblin Shamans or something just so efficiently because it's pumping your guy. And it's also killing your guy. Sorry, it's pumping their guy and killing your guy. Like it, it, it's an insane tempo swing. Yeah, that 
that is that is definitely a very powerful card, and I think that again, it's one of those things where it, that ma- the matchup can kind of depend on did they draw that card or not. So yeah, that card. Um, there's not really a fifth copy that they can run of Reckless Rage is kind of the the difficult yeah. part here. Yeah, no, exactly. And like I don't know, I've seen this card used like so wide. Like I don't know, I think I think I was looking at someone's game and they had like a uh, I think it was like a tenth lead stick just in air or something like that that was attacking, and the opponent blocked with like a Jangatha. And the dude went monstrous rage, uh, my guy, reckless rage, my guy, targeting your Jeff, and then killed him with the trample damage because he assigned four damage to it already. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Huh. I guess that also works. <laughs> it, was, it was impressive. It was one of those, huh, never thought about that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got to know how the uh, the math works there. You know, pay attention to it. Um. Let's talk mana base real quick here, since uh, I think that's you know important part of the deck. I always like to go through them at the very least. Uh, so this one's running twenty total lands, four battlefield forge, four inspiring vantage, four needle verge, four shock, uh, a Sakenzin, one planes, one spike field hazard, one Sereji shelter. So that if anyone doesn't know, it's the uh, the double faced land. It's a protection spell on one side, and it's a tapped white land on the other side. Yeah. So uh, the mana base is like. Honest, oh yeah, the thing I forgot to also mention about this deck is, like, the deck is piss cheap. Forgot to mention. Like, oh, every yeah. single card in here is, like, a dollar, two dollars. I think the most expensive card that's not a land is Jeff or Shadow of the Skulls. Like, that's really it. Uh, but the mana base is, like, the most uh, expensive part. But anyway, uh, yeah, like, these lands, they're just the good Boros lands that come into play untapped on what turns one and two. Um... The planes is there because Fielderun does exist, as does Beseju. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone Beseju a monstrous roll. Like, or not, but, yeah, but I mean, like, I guess um, Sacred Foundry works for that too, but like, the planes can come um, tapped for whatever. Uh, but also, Sakenzin. Yeah, it matters for Fielderun. Yeah, Sakenzin's yeah. also like a big, a big uh, controversy I, I know I've seen is some people don't like the Sakenzin because like they think they channel it, like, never. But the fact that, like, sometimes people will play, like, a creature land in that slot, I think that's, like, the only debated slot. The rest of these lands are just the good fast That ones. is what I was going to ask, exactly. Yeah, so I, I think that overall this deck is not getting a lot of utility out of its lands that we do see a lot of in Pioneer. Uh, they are much more going for almost all of these lands tap for both red and white, and all of them essentially will enter the battlefield untapped. And that's really, really being prioritized in this deck. Because, yeah. like, you need to cast your spells. That's how this deck works. You need to cast your spells, and you need to target your creatures. Your mana can sometimes get a little awkward, because the pips are very specific, either being red or white. So, like, these pathways can get a little aco-chaco. But it'd be how mm-hmm. it do, you know? It, it usually works out. But sometimes it doesn't. I've seen I've seen an opponent in play with three pathways, and those are the only lands, and it was awkward. But... Rough. <laughs> big rough big sad but yeah there's not yeah. there's not a lot of debate here like i guess you can not run the planes but you'll get fielder ruined once and guide there's that mono black deck that's running around that's playing six fielder ruined or something oh, i love that it's awful all right and now let's go to my favorite part which is always the sideboard because um you know this one i think does vary a little bit more i think that it's less of a strict 15 um for example i think fingers list that he ran for the uh um, the regional championship is different from the one that you linked me here, just maybe, slightly. Maybe, maybe. I think I think this was one of the lists that he was like testing with, and then ended up changing it for the RC. But 
Oh yeah, so the RC he pulled out one Adanto Vanguard for a justice strike. Ah yeah, sense. it's because uh, it's because he was because um, Alberta's like a Alberta's like a very red black heavy area, and so you you need a way to kill Shieldred, and Justice Strike kills Shieldred real good. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds good. <laughs> Give it death. There you go. It's got death touch, so it's one thing that can actually remove it. Other ways here that are looking like they're for Shieldred. There's the destroy evils. This is destroy a creature with toughness four or greater. Also hits yeah. enchantments. Um, other than yeah. that, you know, there's rending volley. There's flowstone infusion. Has been a nice newish removal spell. This is the plus two minus two, so it can be a removal on elves turn one, which is really really important. Or it just gets to work as a pump spell later in the game. Yeah, so the biggest thing for Flowstone Infusion specifically is Thalia. It's like the card that is mm. both a pump spell and can kill Thalia. Because Thalia kind of... <laughs> it's kind of weird. This, this is a creature aggro deck and Thalia just puts it in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you need the Flowstone Infusions for that. Um, there's two Lorian's Escapes. Uh, Lorian Escape is just another copy of God's Willing for the most part. Uh, but it kind of gets around board clears and like uh, I'll, uh, it actually gets around board clears is the thing. So uh, and it like it can't like push damage, but it, it indestructible is like important. Um, rending volley for spirits and humans because you know you need some removal spells for Adeline because Adeline will kill you. Um, Adanto Vanguard is their sticky. Uh, have fun trying to kill this minion. Minion. Um, it, it paying for life to give it indestructible you only care about in matchups where your life total is very relevant as in if you are dying because of your life total you've already lost the game like it is not close like you sh you have lost that game very solidly so the paying for life is not like an actual factor yeah. for that yeah. card so does the Adento vanguard come in against red black yes. then would be the question okay because i do feel like that is a deck that you know, could theoretically be racing, you know, a couple chips in with something like a, you know, a 3-2 or a 3-3 does add up, and a Dent of Vanguard might actually, you know, be able to only activate one or two times. Yeah, I think even. the only thing about Adanto Vanguard, uh, sorry, specifically, it is coming in against Red Black Mid, against Red Black Sack, you do not bring it in, because the fact it having one toughness oh, yeah, yeah. just kind of, you know, makes it pretty awkward a lot of the time. Uh, against Mayhem Devil, but yeah, you just you just, it's a sticky threat. It's really hard to deal with. Like you can pay, I think against Red Black, you can pay like up to twelve life or eight life. Usually, is what you want to be at with this card. But that means you're casting removal cells targeting it, so that means probably it's living, and that means your opponent's dying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. But Destroy Evil. Um, you specifically. Okay. So this has been something that I've been wanting to bring up. You know, specifically against Red Black. Um, and this is going to be for the side of players going against Boros Heroic. Do you leave in Bonecrusher Giant or do you take it out? Yeah, it's really awkward. It's 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 so. I, I do think it's a super awkward. Yeah, card, like yeah. Uh, like this like the reason that Heroic's really good is like it, it, it's like pushing out Bonecrusher Giant, which is like the main removal spell of a lot of these decks, like Red Green, Red Black Mid, or whatever. And I I, I think I lean on the fence of no, you don't. Bro, you you don't take it out, or you, you don't, don't take it out because like. It is like it, it does kill the most important cards, uh, but it does have a very small window where it can. It's really awkward because like sometimes like you can't like um like like with favorite hoplite like any any protection spell just like gets around the dam or sorry gets it around it or like monster swift spear or similar. But like illuminate virtuoso is the name of the game with that matchup, and you need a way to kill it. You need a way, and if it's too damaged, that hopefully gets there. Yeah, it hopefully gets there. 
Like, I'm a big believer that if you are playing Rending Volley in your sideboard, you bring it in this matchup. And I think Rending Volley has the same problem that Bone Crusher Giant does, where it's kind of like, it's this damage removal spell that only can really hit some targets, but it hits the most important ones, so you bring it in. You feel real bad about it, but you keep okay. it in, I guess, in this case. And do you generally do you want to just fire off Bone Crusher Giant whenever you can have like whenever you reasonably can kill something or even can get a protection spell out? Or is it like, oh, I, I do, you, do you like how, how bad do you feel if you like know they've got a God's Willing and you're holding up a Bone Crusher uh, Giant? It's very dependent. Like usually how I end up wanting to approach it is you want to stomp first and get your opponent's protection spell or try to make them tap their mana as much as they can with the Bone Crusher Giant. Mm-hmm. Then you want to use your better removal spell afterwards. Um, it, it, it's it's the first removal spell. It's the bait removal spell is what I like to call Bone Crusher Giant in the matchup. Or sometimes it's a blocker, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I think that's what I was leading you towards is like, hey, it's okay to throw out your Bone Crusher Giant as a bait removal spell, even if it means you're losing the backside to a god. And that's perfectly fine. You know, sometimes it'd be like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but just I was going to talk about Destroy Evil, and because it's really important, because the card that pushes this yeah. deck's poop in is cards like Leyline Binding and Chain to the Rocks, and the big one, Temporary Lockdown. Temporary Lockdown puts this deck in the uh, dirt. Like, you just lose all of your creatures, and you couldn't have a protection spell to stop it, so what are you going to do? Cry about it? Probably. So Destroy Evil getting all your creatures back <laughs> is, like, the biggest thing. Like, that's why that's in the board. Like, if anything, I've seen lists go up to, like, three, just when Temporary Lockdown's a little bit more popular, uh, because, you know, Ashtrak's pushing the gods, gods um gospel about uh kruger fires so uh and i think the last card that we haven't talked about is showdown of scalds yeah showdown, that card is yep. just good it is very good at <laughs> it, it is it good is. against red black <laughs> it's good against the control decks where your opponent's just removing every single thing you've ever played and you're like cool here's four more cards deal with these two. Oh, i hit another showdown with my showdown here's four more cards deal with it and it's just this constant cycle of oh Oh, I have a shot. Oh, he played the so down. Darn, I died. And it also, it gives it like, I want to call it like double heroic because of the second chapter and the third chapter. Just being able to like also push mm-hmm. damage onto an Illuminator Virtuoso or other creature. It, it it just scales so quickly, so fast in these grinding matchups. And that's just what it's about is trying to scale fast and play a little bit more of a longevity game. And that card does that well. So here's something I've been here's something I've been asked before, and I, I'd love to pose you this sure. question: Is why not play Showdown of the Skulls in the main deck? And like, I have an answer, but I kind of want to hear your it costs thoughts. Costs four mana. <laughs> well, yes, but go on. You know, it, it's something that you're bringing in in a lot of matchups. I, don't think, I, think. I don't think so. You know, a lot. No, I don't, don't think so? I, I think maybe not with this list, but it. I've seen cards like this before where it's like, hey, I feel like I want this in a lot of my matchups where, you know, every single time I'm post-board, I'm getting grindier. I want to bring this in. What would stop me from wanting it in game Because your one? opponent has less removal game one, right? Like your opponent, like all of the removals on their yeah. sideboard, like that, 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 that you really, really, really care about is majority of the time it's in the sideboard. Uh, unless you're playing as Kruger Fires, then it's in the main deck. But um, it, <laughs> yeah, it's usually yeah. in the sideboard because, like, that's that's when you need to be grindiers because your opponent's bringing in like five cards that say destroy target creature, exile target creature. Like, you don't want a four mana clunky card in your main deck. That sometimes it'll be real good. Like, sometimes they'll put your opponent in the dirt with it. Sure, like that. Th- those do exist where you grind your opponent out of removal in the main deck, but you just want to do it in the post board games because your deck's already that consistent at doing the thing. That you don't need it in the main. It's already good enough against red black in the main deck. 
or like they'll grind your matchups and yep. you don't you just have to fight through i want to say on average like eight removal spells from the mine from them like the the red black player like you just have to grind through those eight and you usually can because if i if i do a quick look sees we got 18 creatures so the math checks out in our favor <laughs> yeah you know and i think that that's that's very similar to what i would say you know it's one of those things like hey even if you're bringing it in a lot it's still a sideboard only car you don't want this in your main deck because you want to bring it in when it's good and it's going to be good better post board also you want to get those free wins and those free wins mean having your deck be as aggressive as possible in yeah. game one. and like there's other boros decks like there's the boros pia deck that does play shot on the scales in the main and they played in the main for a little bit more of a specific reason and that's just because pia gets value off of it uh, so don't get tempted by the yeah. Pia list. Don't be like, well, if Pia can do it, so can I. No, you can't. You're not that guy. Trust me. You're not that guy. Just don't worry about it. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Anything else from, you know, about this list or about matchups against yeah, this list? Yeah, so the reason that this deck is also really good at tournaments is because there is two decks that I think you have, like, an insane win rate against because they just, they are so slow and you push their poop in. You are just, you're so good. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a heroic player lose to a Lotus Field player. I have never seen it. Don't think it can happen. Like, you just play a turn one creature, you pump it up a bunch, and they die. Because their entire combo revolves on them living to, like, turn five. Sometimes turn four. You know, sometimes Grazer gets you. But majority of the time, you can kill your opponent before that. Yep. And the other one's Monogreen. Monogreen's a little bit more of the surprising one, because, you know, turn one elf, turn two four four. Oh, my creature can't attack through the 4-4. Darn. It's the fact that they're just, like, playing no interaction, and that God's Willing is literally just give my target creature unblockable. Like, you just wait until you have Illuminator Virtuoso or, like, something that's going to be pretty big. Uh, you just pump it up a whole bunch, give it unblockable, kill your opponent. Boom. Next match. Like, that's usually how that match ends up going. Um, like, a lot of their... Like, you only really care about dying to the combo... But I think you, on average, as Monogreen, combo on, like, turn 6, turn 5, turn 7. And so, like, that's a lot worse than what um uh, it is against Lotus Field. But Lotus Field doesn't have any interaction. This one at least has, like, a 4-4 or a 4-5 to put into play. But Yeah. So someone that would love to see those decks be taken down a notch, what's stopping everyone from playing well, Boros Heroic? Red-Black is, like, a little bit more of a sus matchup. Um, it... it, it ha- I don't know how the mono-white matchup is. I can't think it's that great. I think it's probably just, like, fine to decent. And it's a lot of the decks that I end up playing that have a really good heroic matchup. Uh, it's these grindier five-color mm. decks, which you think heroic would have a really good matchup against because, you know, my deck has, like, five different colors and my man, <laughs> half my lands come into play tapped and half of them make me pay two life and kind of like that. But the card quality is just so high. Like, I, I, I don't... I think heroic was, like, I, I, I played against it at an FNM. And I was telling my opponent, like, yeah, I have a favorable matchup here or something like that. Because he was, like, asking. And he was like, I don't think you do. And I'm like, cool, let's play. Was not close. Too owed. <laughs> he went home afterwards. Didn't have much of a conversation. But, um, yeah, like, the match, like, you you just play one Supreme Verdict or one card that interacts with them. And they're like, huh, cool. Because, like, they do have to commit two creatures to play. Because that's usually how they end up killing. Like, that being, like, a Monastery Swift Spear uh dreadheart arcanist paired with like a favor or like an actual heroic spell is usually what they end up needing to like pressure you out of the game quickly and if you just remove both of those the chance they have another creature in hand is low until they buy jeff on turn three and they're really sad about it but (laughs) 
that's really uh, that's really how I can think of for the matchups. I'm, I'm going to quickly look at the Goldfish page and just see if there's other. Oh, the Phoenix matchup is also a little bit Ako Taco. Um, mm, there's a, a lot, lot of removal, but a lot of it's damage based, so it sometimes works out, sometimes doesn't. Uh, uh, as I as I as I like to say or quote, uh, maybe good, sometimes maybe bad. Uh, who know? Who know? Who know? You know, who know how it go? <laughs> Um, all right. That's probably all I wanted to cover with Boris Rog. You know, we spent about 40 minutes on this. Do we want to quick run through the, um, the results that we haven't talked sure. about yet? Or do you want to save those and we'll do a whole meta share and we'll make this a quick one? Um, you know what? Let's do a quick one. I'm down to make it a quick episode. Yeah. We haven't done a 45 minutes episode in a while. So, uh, happy to, you know, make this a nice targeted discussion of Boros aggro. Um, well, maybe, maybe I can throw one more question out is, would you take Boros Agro to a, uh, to, to would I personally, tournament? God, no. Cause I yeah, personally, hate, I know, I know it's not I your style. Agro but. Decks. I hate sitting there and being like, oh, you killed my creature. Luxac, noob walker, or as like the kids say or something. <laughs> but I, 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 per- you hate not having the outs. You're not hate not having, I don't, the I don't, I, I, it's just, it's, it's a very quick turn like i i would only have to think about my first three turns a majority of the time with this deck and i like decks that make me have to think like throughout like a lot more of a longer turns or like uh and it's also decision matrixes that i haven't like exactly learned so i wouldn't really like care to because i would rather just like show up with like a deck like kruger fires where i know i'm gonna have a good time regardless of my match result i know i'm gonna have a good time casting the hippo making hippo noises laughing with my friends like that's gonna be a lot more of a fun but what I suggest if you bringing it to a tournament or lis- you being the listener, yeah, bring it. It's good. Like you have a lot of good matchups. You know, you probably will have a lot more fun with it than I ever will. So I highly suggest you do. Ooh. Will I? God, no. <laughs> All right. Well, you said you like making hippo noises. Here's my next last, maybe last question. What is a Dreadhorde Arcanist? Oh, noise? God. What's its creature type again? It's like zombie... Wizard? Uh, I think. I think it's a wizard. It, yeah, it's a wizard. Okay, all right. I, I want no judgment. I want no judgment. It's probably gonna go like, it's like a zombie, but like I don't know, scarier. That's I good. tried. I tried. Got it. I wish. I wish they never printed that stupid party mechanic because I always fall into this trap where I'm like, oh, this deck's got a wizard and it's got a rogue. Whoa, we're halfway, halfway there. there. <laughs> Now we just need a warrior in red white. That'll be easy. And uh, yeah, you and the party mechanic, man. And you and the party mechanic. That's like Ryan and Barry class. I know. I know. It's like we've got the two difficult ones. We've got rogue and we've got wizard. We just need warrior and cleric. But man, though, there's worry, just no worry. payoff. There's no I payoff. I talked to Watsi and right. Murders of Karlov. They're printing a card just for you. Oh, party mm-hmm. and Karlov. There's gonna be a wizard cleric. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right that's probably all we really have to say about <laughs> boros heroic um if you guys enjoyed this content before we get completely off track go ahead and follow us at mpg pioneer uh give us a like or a listen there and you can also find a link to our discord which is the best way to keep in contact with us yeah if you guys disagree with anything i said today uh yell at me in the discord i i am a lot more active there than i am anywhere uh i am active on twitter at dreams of Ashio. Um, I've been making my memes become real. Uh, this is usually the part where I just shout out something, and I'm going to shout out myself. Uh, your boy, your boy's been trying <laughs> Agatha's Soul Cauldron plus Jace Varin's Prodigy oh and Nicol Bolas the Ravager. And I got a good screenshot out of it, but that is the most god-awful deck I have ever played my god in my life. And I have a 5-0 with Grim Tutor. Like, that... Oh, how did we not have... I, I literally told Ryan earlier in the, uh, 
in this set that like I could do a whole episode on the jank I have tried with Agatha Soul called yeah. this season. Um, so maybe we need to have that as a you know maybe a fun episode is just hey let's talk about the stupid things we've tried to do. I could be the worst Agatha Soul Cauldron deck. Let's see it. Oh, I might have you here. Um, but that'll be a discussion for another time. Maybe we'll talk about it in our Discord. You can go ahead and follow us there. Um, meanwhile, I'm going to keep pretending that I can ask meaningful questions while Ashiok keeps uh, showing us how That's it's true. done. Um, we are the first Pioneers podcast. Do you have anything else uh, to shout out? I want to shout out uh, Ryan for editing and being a good person and listening to oh, yeah, wonderful and all of our bard class nonsense. Uh, <laughs> All right. We are the First Pioneers Podcast, and we look forward to being your go-to source for Pioneer information online. Your first pioneers are heroing out.